And hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome into this episode of Big Drive Energy, recording from the DNVR bar, where basically we've had, we've got Rockies going on in Studio B right now. We're in the main studio overlooking the calm before the storm um, and the bar before the Nuggets game tonight. We had a Broncos show earlier. We had the Avs, and uh, we had the Nuggets on live. I'm sitting in the same seat George Carl was just sitting in, so that's a pretty cool feeling. So if you guys haven't checked out all the other stuff at DNVR, Check it out, DNVR Nuggets, Avs, Rockies, Broncos, and DNVR Golf, of course. That's why you're here. That's why you're listening to us. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Big Drive Spence, here with my brother at Big Drive Mitch. It's nice to see you in person for these podcasts. These are I know, these, are the, fun. these ones at the studio are always nice, and... Uh, if people are watching the Nuggets game tonight, this will already be recorded, or we'll be dropping this tomorrow, but if you see a couple of dudes real hammered screaming their faces off at the Nuggets game tonight, that will be me and Spencer. Um, that was us two nights ago at the Avalanche game also. Uh, this is playoff season. We don't miss a game, pretty much, if we can help it. So, it's in the midst of just every morning I wake up tired at work. And then I go to a game, wake you up cycle tired again. You, yep. you go to work, you get to about two, three o'clock, you get off work, you crack a few Celsius and you get refreshed until, well, myself on about Sunday midnight. night, I was um, <laughs> asleep on the table at a bar. So not a good, Spencer not a good fall look asleep for at the bar, head down on the table. I was like, what the fuck's going on right now? But that's, you got to fight through it. We're strong strong fans that's just something you got to endure so yeah just we didn't get any of this for a year so we're we're definitely not missing out again i think society as a whole just has had all this fomo for the last year so now they're like i literally if i can go do something i'm gonna do it well dude these fans are wilding out too at everything like we saw we talked about it at the pga championship how many fans there were and they were getting right up in phil's chili and then they also (laughs) apparently hurt brooks kepka I don't know if you heard that in the interview afterwards. They said one of them like bumped his knee and well, yeah, dude, and one dude. Gra- I, we talked about it, but another guy like grabbed Phil by the shoulder, and Phil was like, "Yo, what the fuck!" Like he freaked out. But yeah, fans are just going crazy. I mean, Kyrie got a water bottle thrown at him. Uh, that dude's getting arrested. Russell, yeah, Russell Westbrook, um, full popcorn shower. Yeah, full popcorn shower. Didn't appreciate that. Yeah, fans are just off their fucking rocker. And one thing I found out that. Sports fans as a whole could this could go away because it's been done 
is actually taking a beer into your seat. Like the English Premier League, you can't even drink in your seat. You can only drink on the concourse. Really? Yeah, because people just get that fucking rowdy. And so that I feel like we're risking that it, with all the. <laughs> Dude, like, can you imagine? Can, yeah, I would be. I would probably wouldn't go to the games. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather just sit at home on the couch where yeah. I can definitely drink as much as I want. Yeah, and it seemed like everybody at last week's PGA Championship was on one for sure. We had. Uh, oh, I can only imagine the wasted management next year with a full crowd. Oh yeah. Oh, oh my God, it's we might might try to make a trip down there. Can you imagine the content? Mm. Um. Some other exciting personal news. If you follow me, well, I actually didn't post it on Twitter, but I got my putting green installed in my backyard. So there's going to be an, an abundance of content being made this winter in my backyard or even this summer. I mean, it's going to be year round. But I've got probably about a 40 yard area, 30 to 40 yard area with a mat set up to chip over to the uh, green. And so we are going to be making content in my backyard. Hopefully, my na- if Spencer Blades went into my neighbor's window, it's completely on him. Um, I, oh, yeah. I would never fence, do that. Your fence is going to be getting peppered. I'm not going to be sniffing that putting green. <laughs> 100%. When we're doing the chipping, it's it's going to be pepper. Spencer's going to fucking knife one into my neighbor's kitchen. <laughs> Literally and metaphorically. Yeah, it, it's not going to be a good scene, but it's going to make for some good content. The putting green fun, looks dope as fuck. A lot of fun putting yeah. games and shit like that. So yep. we're, we're pumped for that, for sure. 100%. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, um, was so, it the Valero? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Was it the Valero? It was the Charles Schwab Challenge. Char- okay. So what we're, what we're going to get into today is we're going to talk about the Charles Schwab Challenge, the people's champ, everybody's favorite, Jordan Spieth, absolutely choking it away on Sunday, which we love to see personally. Yeah, he uh, played like dog sorry, shit. Sorry, Breakfast. I know you're probably listening to this, but uh, your boy choked it away. But he does have six, five top tens in his last six starts, so it's not like he's not there. He just didn't win. Uh, shout out to Jason, Jason Kokrak. And then we've had some serious Twitter beef and some good interviews on the PGA Tour over the last week. So we're going to get into a little bit about, you know, more of the guys on tour and, and some of the guys and how they act and how they act on social media and how social media has changed the PGA Tour because it's changed every sport a little bit. Well, but it, and so the PGA Tour, if for those of you who don't know, just came out like a month ago and said they were allotting $40 million a year to the top social media interaction guys on the PGA Tour. So all these guys are trying to get a piece of that pie, and I feel like Max Home has got to step up on everybody because that dude has been the Twitter king since uh, pretty much the shutdown last March, just roasting the absolute shit out of everyone. So we'll talk about our top roasts, and then we'll just talk about our favorite golf accounts to follow on Twitter, some uh, former tour guys, some current tour guys, and... Some of our least favorite follows, because there's plenty of those, too. Some really old, stuffy golf guys that nobody really... Like, it's just every every dude that doesn't have an avatar follows them. Like, 65-year-old, like, Cialis commercial guy <laughs> follows them on Twitter. So, we'll give you some of those also. So, getting into the Charles Schwab Challenge... Pretty fun tournament. This is the one, one of the ones we talked about where it was your favorite trophy. That thing was huge. And it had the jacket to come with it. See, I think you got that fucked up. I think it was the Heritage out at um, the RBC Heritage. Okay, well. Because it's, it's, it does also have a tartan jacket. Fucking same, same. Yes, it, uh, it, it, basically it's a huge trophy and a tartan jacket. No, dude, it was super cool looking. 
Also, quick fact for me, I don't know which tournament is being played in Texas ever. Like, there's four of them, and I think they're all the same. There's, like, the Valero, there's the Charles Schwab, there's uh, the one at TPC San Antonio, I think. Um, and then there's another one. I just, I think there's, like, four or five of them, and I don't know where is which and who's what. But, uh, yeah, Jason Kokrak, like, so I was watching the final groups coming down on Sunday, and so the the horrible horseshoe is what everybody loves to say out at that golf course. Um because holes three, four, and five form a horseshoe, and they're very hard, apparently. Um, so these guys, like the last three groups, were combined some asinine amount over par just on Sunday. Just through like five holes, I think the last three groups were like 20-plus over par combined. So it was a, a bloodbath. Really, nobody made a run that was in anywhere near the top ten uh, I forget who backdoored their way into the top ten. There was one guy who played pretty well on Sunday. One of our picks, Joaquin oh. Neiman, I believe. Oh, okay. So I didn't even realize that, but or what? No, it was Emiliano Grio. Emiliano Grio. Yep. yep. Credit to me, uh, top tenner. But everybody kind of just played like shit, and Jordan Spieth was hitting it all over the yard. Even Kokrak. I mean, the par five second hole, or is it the? No, it's the first hole. I think they start on a five. Yeah, par five first hole. Yep. Yeah, like fairly easy hole it, by the looks of it I mean it's a little bit of a dogleg right they both hit it in the fairway off the tee and they both make at least six I think one of them made seven like you just totally Jason Kokrak I mean he got a bad break in the front left bunker uh his one foot was out of the bunker one foot was in the bunker and then he just completely chunked the shit out of it, left it in the bunker, didn't get it up and down, made six. I know Sergio didn't play well Sunday. Um, pretty much anybody in these last few, gr the last few groups really didn't make a run. Yeah, Sergio Garcia started out at uh, 10 under starting the final round. He was like four shots off the lead. And I think, still, I think it was at 15. So. Still scrolling down the leaderboard. Maybe I missed him. He fired a he fired a high one, and then the, I think the guy you were thinking of earlier, Charlie Hoffman, he shot sixty five. Oh, to okay, yeah, his Hoffman way to t three. So basically, your top tens: Kokrak, Spieth, Hoffman, Patton, Kazari, 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 Kazari. I'm not a, not very good at pronouncing. <laughs> Poulter, Troy Merritt, and then round out the top ten: Grio, Glover, Hadwin, Harmon, Stanley, and Brendan Todd. Holy so, cow, big, big yeah. log jam. Uh, unfortunately, it. my pick, Abe Answer, he was one shot off the top 10. We actually we actually did fairly well this week in terms of not picking a shitter. All six of our picks made the cut. Only one of them made the top 10. Yeah. So we're no, coming at no you with some memorial picks this week, though. No complete turds. We're, we're, we're turning it back around. Yeah. Hogan's Alley. Yeah. Yeah, memorial picks are coming in hot. They are. But yeah, the the tournament, I so I'm going to be very honest, I didn't get to watch the entire back nine, so I didn't really see what happened coming down the stretch. I just know that I think Jordan Spieth, I think it like three fairways that day. So I know he really struggled. And I don't know what his story is, because he's been with the same swing coach for the last 10 plus years, and he's struggled with the same shit for the last 10 years. And if I really want to get technical, like, I know there's plenty of coaches that could fix what he's doing, but his left side gets so high in transition that he gets stuck away from the inside. He's holding, hanging back on his right foot and flipping at it. And that's why off the tee, he is so poor. Like, he just is not good off the tee. He's been historically a good iron player, good 
wedge player. Phenomenal putter. Yeah, phenomenal putter, and that's kind of what keeps him in it. But I want to say on the weekend, he was 68 out of 70 players dr- total driving. Yeah, well, he, and he was he, like top three in putting. After Saturday's round, he was six, sitting at 63, 66, 66, and fired 73 on Sunday to lose it. Yeah. Basically, he fires even par on Sunday, and he wins the tournament. Yeah, which is completely insane because those numbers, it's not like the golf course changed that much in one day. And I think it was a little bit breezy, but, you know, it's it's a home it's a though, home it's, game for him. Yeah, right? exactly. It's Anytime a, in Texas, he's a top top five favorite. Yeah, he's, every he's always a contender. So pretty shocking out of Jordan Spieth that he would uh, – he pretty much – it was his to lose. And credit to Jason Kokrak. He held on long enough. Um, I think Kokrak went over 200 and – 20-something starts without a win to start his PGA Tour career, and this is his second win this year. So he's kind of been one of those guys. I mean, he's an absolute massive unit of a human. He's like 6'5", uh, 240, 250, and hits it a mile. So I think once he got his short game straightened out, his ball striking has always been there. And I think he, I want to say he won in Vegas earlier, like or like late 2020 on this kind of like wraparound season. But, uh, yeah, credit to Kokrak. He's kind of a low-key name. Now he's won a couple times this year on tour. Potential Ryder Cup pick if he keeps this up. You know, you got to look at that, too. So Well, and he's like the third dude to win this year twice that's like a nobody. I mean, Stuart Sink's not a nobody, but he won twice now. Well, Sink's just 50 years old. Yeah, Kokrak's won twice. And, oh, no, one thing we can touch on really quick. Uh, after Phil Mickelson, so Phil Mickelson won the PGA championship at age 50 at age 50 almost 51 yeah and then the senior PGA championship was won by someone younger Alex Chaka yeah he just turned 50 so he just qualified for the champions tour it was literally the first time that's ever been done in history um so another record for the history books this week and Alex Chaka was a good PGA tour player he's one of those guys that could probably get out on the champions tour and just tear it up because he was always like that marginal to good PGA Tour player. But Phil Mickelson, he's like, why am I going to mess around with the senior PGA Championship? How legendary would it have been if he would have played in back-to-back PGA Championships and won both of them? Like, go regular tour to senior tour and win back-to-back weeks. Like, Oh, dude, it's... Well, which is very feasible. It's, it's <laughs> and, just funny to like talk about how, th- how a mediocre tour player just turns 50 and all of a sudden he's the best player on the champions. Tour. Yeah. Like Bernard Langer's career was completely resurrected on the champions tour. He's like the goat of the champions tour and he was a fairly marginal PGA tour player. But you, you look at Phil Mickelson's game. He goes out every single week on the champions tour and wins like dominating. Yeah. Too. It's like not, not even, even close. close. Just boat races the field. So his game, and it's kind of interesting to see like when guys think they're ready for the champions tour, because Phil will go out there if there's not an event he likes on the PGA Tour. But he, I, I still just think it's almost below him to a certain extent. And it'll be really cool to see guys. I mean, it, it's really cool to see Phil go out on the Champions Tour because he's got more money than God. Like, he doesn't need to go make money. Some of these guys are still trying to prolong their careers and make a paycheck. But he's worth, I want to say, half a billion dollars. So he doesn't need to go play golf on the Champions Tour. Right. He just loves competing. Like, that's that's the ultimate gamer. You got to respect that. Yeah, it's like the 50-year-old basketball player at the YMCA. That he's got the two Dukes. knee braces on, the Air Monarchs, the half-calf socks, 
and he's going to give you buckets. <laughs> and he's going to box out. He's going to throw his ass around, play tough sweat in the paint. You. Oh, yeah. Sweat all over you. And still score 20, and his yeah. team's going to win every game. Yeah. And I really don't know if Phil's career resurrection came when he, like, dropped a bunch of weight. Because weight really has nothing to do with your golf swing. We've seen fat players went on tour plenty. Like, it wasn't like it was really affecting his golf game. Maybe it was affecting his mental game or his just physical overall game. But his swing really hasn't changed. And people are, like, grasping at straws. Like, somebody out of Spring Valley the other day was like, what did they say? They were like, I wonder if Phil won because of his weight transformation. And I'm like, no, he won because he drove it better than he ever has. Like, he drives the ball like shit usually. And he actually hit a bunch of fairways. He's been a historically good iron player and a historically good putter. Him and Tiger are kind of similar in that way. Like, if they can drive the ball well, they're going to be right there. And that's like even Jordan Spieth, same thing. Like, there's certain guys, Dustin Johnson drives it really well. He's always in contention. But there's certain guys like Jordan Spieth, and I'm not comparing Spieth and, and Tiger or whatever, but if they drive the ball well, they're probably going to play well because everything else in their game kind of falls into place. Yeah, well, like we've seen with Tiger before, if he once they get that killer instinct and they and they're hitting the ball well, it's it's game over for them. Yeah, the quick tee grab, it's you know they're ready to roll. And and Jordan kind of came out on his heels on Sunday, which was shocking because he's already won this year on tour. He's back, like he's back back. Yeah, he's not he's not a guy that you would think would play that way because he's already won a bunch of times yeah, he, it's not exactly. like a guy looking for his first win that's played you know really zeroed in on this tournament he looked like a weekend. baby horse yeah. like he was just kind of unsure of what he was doing out there yeah and he it showed yeah 100 percent uh eventually so i was gonna say sorry just real quick people say that you can win a tournament putting he showed that you cannot win a tournament putting because he was a top five putter in the field but if you hit the ball bad enough, I mean, putting definitely helps, but you still have to hit the ball well. Because if you hit the ball like shit, it doesn't matter how many 40-footers for par you make, you're still not going to win the tournament. So Yeah, exactly. you got to be hitting it close, hitting it far, hitting it straight. It's, every <laughs> it's winner, the PGA Tour. Yeah, every winner, you don't just The shit ain't in. a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> the shit is not a hobby. So speaking of Phil Mickelson, um, and kind of what we were going to talk about today is he's had an absolute resurrection on Twitter. And just been going off. And so there was a couple tweets I looked at last week. So this guy, uh, Steve, Steve McGovern, at the Novelty Act on Twitter. And he was tweeting some guy, and he goes, After winning the PGA the other week, Phil Mickelson was like, three, three questions and then I'm gone. Bye. And like, fair enough. But really, only time something similar happened and was a big and a big deal was made I can think of was Marshawn Lynch in the NFL. And that was just funny. And Phil clapped back at this random nobody, no avatar looking, you know, troll on the internet and goes, Actually, it was Saturday night. I had done three interviews already. It was getting dark, and I had 45 minutes of light and needed to get some work in before the final round. So I limited the last media session to three questions. Context really does matter. And Phil has been going off on Twitter, and he actually had a great interview. Um, it's super short, but so this is from PGATour.com uh, and their YouTube channel. So basically, they asked Phil, like, you shot 75, what happened? And he said, yeah, I shot three over, but I just won the PGA, so. And <laughs> it was just great, like, it's just great to hear in those interviews when they just don't, like, you can't continue to, like, Tiger's career will never be redone. That What he, what he did winning, you know, 50% of his tournaments for a 10-year span, oh, it'll yeah. never happen again. No. 
And so these dudes, they yeah, they're signed up for half the time. We see them WD the next tournament, or they just like take yeah, they the week just off. don't play the next week. Yeah, because a lot of these guys playing these, you know, playing these tournaments because they need tour status. They need to get top twenties, and nobody looks at them on the leaderboard. But those top twenties get them into the top one twenty five, and then they're not playing for their life in the playoffs in the, yeah. at the end of the year. Oh yeah, it makes a huge difference when you get guys like Phil Mickelson and tiger and just dudes who have won majors before and guys that their career is set they're set financially they all they care about is history they're not doing it for the money like we just talked about so phil won the pga championship what does he care if he shoots 80 at the next pga tour event that's not what matters nobody's gonna remember the 80 he shot the thursday after he won the pga yeah he's just gunning for the u.s open now. yeah he, that's all he's he's got to finish that career grand slam if he goes two majors in one year that will be absolutely insane like that would just be unheard of and it would kind of be like a nice cherry on top and that would definitely cement him in the top five all-time pga tour players in my opinion but that's a, a story for another time. Um, we were going to get into Twitter and golfers on Twitter. So like we said, the PGA Tour put this statement out basically where they're actually going to pay guys for their social media interaction. They allotted $40 million a year, and I'm not quite sure how they're going to break it down by interaction, what they do. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all this beef between Bryson and Brooks Kepka just pops up on Twitter. And then, so it originally started with the video that leaked, which I don't understand how the PGA Tour let it leak. But also, the PGA Tour, I feel like they're kind of hurting their own brand in a way where they want more social media interaction, they want more people talking about the tour. But then that video leaked of of uh brooks kepka completely just so pissed off at bryson DeChambeau, just visibly disgusted and they just wiped it from the internet they just com like they did not want any of that out there it's like oh we want social media interaction but only the interaction that we deem acceptable like that's not you got to take it all on you know you, you can't pick and choose what goes out there and what doesn't and i mean there was some vulgarity in there it was hilarious like, it was just so good to see him visibly disgusted with Bryson DeChambeau just walking by. Like, didn't even have to say a word to him. He just was so sickened. Well, and so do you, you understand why? His metal spikes yeah. just clacking. Yeah, like, Brooks absolutely hates it. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing with DeChambeau, and that is, like, the hill that I'm willing to die on, is I don't dislike him because of, like, his his sciency mad scientist deal. It's just because he's just a dickhead. Like, he's just got this air about him where he thinks that somehow metal spikes give him the advantage. Like, the only other t uh, player on tour that's ever worn metal spikes is Tiger. They outlawed metal spikes, like, 30 years ago. Most uh, golf courses don't even allow metal yeah, spikes. Yeah, we don't allow them at the Yeah, Valley it tears fun. up greens. It tears up e pretty much anything you step on. Think about wearing baseball cleats on a golf course. you think that's going to go over well? Not really. And Bryson just insists on wearing metal spikes, and that's what Brooks... Brooks is just such a casual dude, and Bryson is just such a try-hard. Like, and I, I'm not going to knock it, but I think that a lot of people... it's I, I actually feel like it's kind of 50-50 split where a lot of people are on Bryson's side because Brooks just looks like he's, like, so intolerant. <laughs> like, he literally just can't even stand the sound of him walking by. But at the same time, I totally get Brooks's side, and I just, you just look at Bryson and he's just got a punchable face. 
Like, in the words of Vic Lombardi, he's got a punchable face. Well, and then afterwards, Bryson, so this continued on this whole beef and on Twitter, on Instagram, and then Bryson said, it's nice to be living rent-free in your head. So, well, I, so, that, you, so that was a clap back to Brooks Kepka. So they, they released um, on social media that there's going to be, like, another match where the original was uh, Peyton Manning and Tiger against, was it Brady and Phil? Peyton and Tiger. Peyton and Tiger, Brady yeah. and Phil so is now, the very first one. Yeah, so now there's, then there was Charles. There's been a, f- a couple more, but now there's, they just announced another one for this summer. It's going to be up at this super sick place in Montana called Moonlight Basin. Um, but it's Aaron Rodgers and Brayson DeChambeau against Phil Mickelson. Phil and who else is it? God, I'm drawing a blank. But anyways, so they, the PGA Tour, or uh, Brady. Oh, Brady. Yeah, there we go. How could I forget? So they announced that on Twitter, and Brooks just replies to that tweet and goes, I'm sorry, at Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, sorry, Because he bro, has to spend a whole day with Brooks Kepka. And so then Brooks claps back and goes, it's so nice to be living rent-free in your head. Bryson. Br- oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Brooks, Bryson, I guess. But get then, him. so Phil Mickelson clapped back to that as well when the beef started going on and said, I feel like I'm in the middle of something and should step aside, except they want the current PGA champ with an old-school smiley face. Didn't use an emoji. Just the old-school colon. He probably doesn't know what an emoji is. No, he probably doesn't use one. Yeah, but I really do appreciate guys that are actually willing to put out not necessarily personal stuff, but you can tell that they're personally tweeting because most golf guys just don't even touch it. They have their manager tweet out their sponsorship stuff, have them tweet out, whatever tweets need to be sent. But other than that, they just don't really like let their personal life be known on social media. And I, I don't knock them for that, but that's, I think what the PGA tour is looking for because people love that interaction. It's like the mic'd up stuff. People love when anybody's mic'd up, whenever you can hear golfers talking, uh, football players, basketball players, anybody. Because and it's real. Exactly. And like that Brooks Kepka reaction was real. Because he they he probably thought they aren't going to air this. They aren't going to, you know, we'll just skip that, delete the content, and move on to the actual interview. But it was pretty funny how that all this beef kind of like came to a head a week or two after the PGA Tour announced that they're like, oh, the more social media interaction you get, you can make more money. Yeah, so do you think this is fake? Do you think the Bryson Brooks is fake? I think it could almost be fake. Like, they're just pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. They're like, let's cash in on this piece of this pie, make an extra $5 I mean, who would would turn that down? I personally wouldn't. Um, (laughs) I think I get my Twitter fingers going for five mil. I'll heat up Twitter. But it takes me is a couple Celsius and I get them fucking going. (laughs) Um, Another great tweet from Phil in the last week uh, JJ Watt played Whistling Straits, which I played with Kylie. Incredible. Like, unreal golf course. Ryder Cup. Ryder Cup this year. year. Yep. And I can show you all, when we're watching it, I can show you all the doubles and triples I was making. I I remember you hit a few good shots. I actually hit it really well there. And I still shot like 80. Spencer went like shot for shot, like he was texting me. The entire time, just I, telling I me was, every shot. I was hit. being that guy, sending me pictures of his ball on the green. I'm like, never seen that before. <laughs> but uh, so JJ Watt tweeted at Phil Mickelson and goes, "Ryder Cup in September is going to be spectacular. If you if you need some pointers, Phil Mickelson, let me know. I took detailed notes." And Phil goes, "How about I handle the golf stuff and you sack the quarterback? Let's both stay in our lanes." <laughs> and so maybe Phil's really just diving in because of this. I mean, I don't know. I feel like every 
professional athlete should have Twitter. And it actually, or Twitter or Instagram or something where they can post, like, semi-personal stuff. Because it honestly pains me every day that we don't get to see, like... I, I stalk Nikola Jokic's wife's Instagram just to see, like, videos of him candid versus, like, You just sound media. weird, but... Yeah, no, no I, that is weird, well, but, like, you, can you imagine if he had a Twitter and would just fire off a few things like that? Yeah. Oh, I'd love it. But it, all this stuff has kind of come to a head with, like, Naomi Osaka this week. Her not wanting to do interviews due to personal reasons, which is totally fair, but at the same time, there is certain requirements that you need to meet in order to play on play in the French Open, play on tour, play in the NFL, play in the NBA. And so it almost seems like Twitter would be a really good place. And obviously you need to ask questions here and there from reporters and things like that. But Twitter would be a great place for people to personally put out what to control the content they're putting out, if that makes sense. Not be all angry after a round of golf and somebody wants to grill them about their 75. Like they don't want to talk about it right then. And I guess, you know, that's a a fine line to walk because the PGA Tour, like any other media brand, um, sports league, they need that content and they're reporters that get paid to do what they do and there's a reason for it. But at the same time, it feels like we're going in the direction more of players wanting to control what what they put out and when they put it out. And I don't know if it's necessarily their decision, but we've seen sports in general the last four or five years go in the direction of the players having more control in general of where they play, of what they do, when they do things, who they talk to. And so it, it could be like Twitter is just a great avenue for guys to put out some some little personal stuff like Joel Dahman is great follow on Twitter. I love following him. He just tweets some funny stuff. He tweets about gambling. He tweets about going and drinking beers with his buddies on the golf course, and that's real. Like, PGA Tour guys don't just grind it out. It, it is their job, but they have lives outside of golf. Like, Pat Perez is like has a shoe fetish. He has all these Jordans. He's I think he's got, like, every pair of Jordans ever made. Luke Donald's the same way. There's so many guys that just little snippets of their personal lives. You can see them on Instagram, see them on Twitter, and you're like, that's pretty cool. Because it's more than just a face on a screen. You know what I mean? So I, I really do appreciate that. And so Max Home obviously, is the Twitter king. Yeah, let's, talk about, king. let's talk about some of the best follow, Twitter follows on the PGA Tour or in golf, just in yeah. general. Yeah, so I would say Colt Nost is definitely up there for me. For those of you who don't know, um, he's shaped a lot like I am. Not a tall dude. He's fully bald. I'm not bald yet. It, it'll get there eventually. Uh, and he's thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Just big dude. And he loves to party. He He's known for like going out on a Friday night after he just made the cut and getting absolutely three sheets to the wind at the club. And he loves hanging out with girls. Like There's pictures of him on social media hanging out with like girls in Las Vegas and whatever and it's just his personal life but he's very like open about it and it's cool and now he actually doesn't even play on tour anymore and he's got a very popular golf podcast that i forget who his co-host is but he's very like open about like his his experience on tour who he's played with how he felt um and and there is a certain amount of it too because the tough thing about golf twitter is the analytics people and the players really butt heads because statistics always kind of 
reign true, you know, no matter what. But then the players are like, well, there's another side of that, like uh, something that you can't numerize, like you can't put it on a put a number to it. It's a feeling or it's a it's a mindset, you know, and and guys that have never played on tour just analyze the statistics and then the players clap back and they're like, well, this is not really this. And so it does get kind of hairy on golf Twitter a little bit because it's just a bunch of teachers and and even guys that are just strictly like analysts going against the players and really button heads. Yeah, well, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but guys like Brandel Shambly and guys that actually are analysts. Total toolbox. Like when you're a, when you're a casual and just watching a golf tournament, you think what they say is gospel. Exactly. And, and a lot of the times it's actually factually wrong. Yeah. Or they're just saying so, a, a general generalization about the game of golf or the golf swing to make it seem like that's what happened when in reality you watch the slow-mo with a technical teacher and somebody that's really into analytics or stats or whatever, they're going to tell you that's it's completely off. Yeah. Well, it, and that's pretty much how it really is because Johnny Miller would never have a job if it wasn't for his bad swing takes. And But people, like you said, don't necessarily know they're bad. They just... A lot of people don't know the golf swing, which is totally fine. Like, I don't understand... I, I, I wouldn't expect you to. But when you know... Like, when you hear it, something he says, and it is just completely off the mark, but then everybody believes it because he's been put in that position, so they're like... He can't be spreading false truths or whatever. But Johnny Miller, Brandel Shambly, Brad Faxon's another one who he tweeted out like his top 10 best putters of all time. And then another guy, one of the um, decade, I forget his name, but he basically started an analytical golf app where you can enter your stats and, and really see where you stand. Was it Lou Stagner? Lou Stagner, yeah, yeah. He's a good follow. Lou, yeah, I was going to say he's another good follow. But so Lou Stagner basically tweets back and goes, that's completely wrong. And Faxon's like, well, it's something you can't put in on into a stat. Like, it's just a feeling, like, who's clutchest in what moments. And, I mean, there is some of that that comes into play, too. But factually speaking, statistics do not lie. Numbers do not lie. And so I hate when the players get into the arguments of, oh, I've been there. I know more than you. Like, just because you played it doesn't mean you can teach it. And vice versa. There's really good teachers that really aren't that very good at players. And so it doesn't really need to be same, same. Like, you don't need to be able to teach and play and vice versa. So that's where um, some of those guys like Brad Faxon just are no fun to follow on Twitter. It's every dude that still wears uh, FJ Pros and... (laughs) The pleated khakis and everything. That's that's who follows Brad Faxon on Twitter. They just don't want to handle this new age. They don't want to recognize this new age of golf and statistics and things like that. Just kind of like any other sport. I mean, the MLB shunned statistics there for a while. The NBA, same thing. And it goes on and on. But Yeah, so speaking of the NBA. Ooh. DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving you the chance to win $100 off of $1 this week, picking any NBA team to win a game in the playoffs. So you want to take the Nuggets tonight against the Trailblazers? You do it. You're turning $1 into $100. So pick any basketball team that's in contention, contention, you bet $1, and you win $100 in site credits. And then you can build that up into $1,000, $10,000, $100,000. Then all of a sudden you have like a down on a house. 
So download the dra top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR, and you get a chance to win $100 off of a $1 bet. And we try to do this every week on our golf picks. You know, we take we take favorites. Last week, freaking Co-Crack was 62 to 1. We missed the boat again. We're not going to miss the boat this week on the Memorial, but DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw funds at your convenience. You need to pay your credit card bill off. You got a couple hundred dollars in there. You just toss it out. It comes in your bank account. You pay that credit card off, and then you spend it again at the DNVR bar the next night. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free site credit. Bet on the basketball team of your choice, and if they win, you get to claim 100 free dollars. That's the promo code DNVR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem like both of us do, call 1-800-522-4700. Always try to gamble responsibly. Yeah. That's... That's my motto. That's my motto. Always well, watch, very responsible. Well, you just got to watch RK and Dre on the the bet show. They're like on a, some sort of heater right now since March. Yeah, it's it's always responsible if you win, right? It, it's <laughs> never it, irresponsible if you're making money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, All right, so speaking of the DraftKings Sportsbook app, logging in now. Let's get some picks out there for the memorial. Let's give Let's give the people what they want. All um, right, I'm searching. All right, so this is at Colonial. Colonial. Muirfield, Ohio. What? It's in Texas. No, no, no. No, this is no. This is the wrong one. I, I fucked oh, up. Oh, the, the Memorial. It's not, it's not Colonial. The tournament's in Muirfield, Ohio. It's oh, okay, yes. It's at, uh, at Muirfield, Muirfield Village. Yeah, yeah, in Ohio. Does I don't that, know okay. why Colonial's still in my mind from no the memorial the colonial memorial, memorial no, yeah it's our fault kind of like the same thing memorial day i guess maybe that's why they do it oh you know yeah that, that could be it i gotcha so we always give out three picks you can do with it what you want but 100 percent if any of these three win we're we're claiming it so yeah. these are these are our guys all the credit if we win none of the blame if we lose exactly um so I'm going to start off with a guy who he is a front runner and his odds aren't great, but he always plays very well at this place. This is like his second home. He's from Kentucky, if that gives you an idea. They're playing pretty close to his home in Ohio. And uh, Justin Thomas at plus 1,400. He's plus 120 to top 10, but I don't know if he's like ever not top 10 here. Don't look that up. I could be wrong. But it feels like every time I see him at this tournament, he's at the top of the leaderboard. He's won here before. He's not in great form, but that's okay because we've we figured out that guys that are playing great don't necessarily like keep that rolling. Sometimes a guy that his form is not all the way there is going to have a breakout week. You know, it's kind of a crapshoot. So I'm rolling Justin Thomas at least to top 10 plus 120. I know the odds aren't great, but I... I would almost, I'm not going to guarantee it, Ooh, but I, you almost I, said it. I'm not going to say the G word, but I already did. But I really like Justin Thomas to at least top 10 and plus 1400 to win. All right. So one of my picks this week is a guy that is in great form. Um, doesn't have a lot of history here. Doesn't have a lot of history on the PGA tour, but uh, I think he's been top 10 two of the last three weeks. He always seems to come out on the weekend. So hopefully he can get a hot start. Uh, that's Colin Morikawa, and he's plus 150 to top 10 and plus 1,600 to win the tournament. 
Um, like I said, he's just playing really good golf right now. He finds himself in the top 10 on Sunday every week, it seems like. With- he just hits his irons so good every week, week in, week out. He's going to have great looks. So I, I do I do like that pick. Um, I am going to roll with Keegan Bradley. He is having a low-key, pretty damn good year. He's got four top 10s. He hasn't won yet, but he's great ball striker. He's a great guy to put on the first-round leader, too. I think he's had the first-round lead like three or four times in the last two months. He always comes out and fires a hot one. Yeah, I, I really do like that. So, I mean, this year he is top 10 in all—or I'm sorry, top 30 in all ball striking stats— he is 183rd in putting. Not great. If we could lift that anchor band real quick, get that belly putter back in his belly button, um, I think he would probably win. But I still do like him this week at plus 4,000. And he's plus 5,000 to have the, tr- the lead after round one. Oh, God. So. Yeah, those are great odds. Uh, plus 335 to top 10. So sprinkle where you'd like, but Keegan Bradley's having a low-key good year. Could have a breakout week this week. It is a ball striker's course. There is some tough holes out there. You kind of got to have it all going. It's one of those courses that Jack Nicklaus designed where you got to have your full game. You can't be really lacking in any department and win out there. So uh, if he can get the putter going, he'll. I bet he could pull off a win this week, 100%. All right. My second pick is I'm going with both a guy that's played well this year and a guy that has history here. He won his first ever tour title here. He won the Masters, Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, I think he's a guy that he's had a couple, couple of tough weeks, but he's had a great year. I mean, you and the Masters, you have the best year of just about any golfer. And he, like I said, won his first ever tour title at Muirfield Village. So he's plus 2,500 to win the tournament and plus 225 to top 10. I like that pick. I'm going with another former winner here. Um, he's had a fairly good year. He's kind of back on the come up. And I think this is actually his first PGA Tour uh, win. I want to say, but Shane Lowry, the Irishman, the big Irishman is plus 5,000 to win, plus 350 to top 10. And he has won here before. He really likes this place. And that's pretty much what I'm basing this off of. All right, my last pick, I'm going with my heart a little bit. He's He was top 10 at the PGA Championship, played a little better golf, kind of fell off the face of the earth, but Ricky Fowler. He is plus 5,500 to win the tournament and plus 400 to top 10. He's had some good years, some good tournaments at Muirfield. I feel pretty good about where he's at right now. I feel like he's on the comeback train. We've seen a lot of guys on the comeback train finally break out and win. So He's not back-back, but he could be back-back once he wins and cashes me this plus 5,500 ticket. Yes, that would be clutch. That would be hella clutch. So download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that code DNVR. Get over there to the Memorial Tournament. Bet those that first-round leader, Keegan Bradley. Bet Ricky Fowler. Bet all the dudes because we're, we've, we've had two weeks of mediocre. So we won twice in a row, then two Breaking weeks of mediocre. Even-ish. So we're coming back. Yeah, but we had a few really good weeks before that. Yeah, we picked two winners in a row. Like, who does that? <laughs> I don't know. Us. Us. So, yeah, I, I, I'm feeling a heater coming back on. I like it. All right, guys, so enjoy the Memorial this weekend. We'll be back. U.S. Open's coming up. British Open's coming up. Um, follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore golf. I am at Big Drive Spence. He is at Big Drive Mitch. We appreciate you guys all tuning in. Talk to you all next week. Peace. Peace.